listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome to episode 101 of Cinemental. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? I don't know. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. Then why don't you kiss me like everybody else does? How about new? The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. I came here like this so you'll know my word of death is true. And that my word of life is then true. everyone and welcome to another episode of the movie podcast we can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making my name is steve obike and as always i'm here with my co-host Hassan godman and latham conger the third our guest tonight you know when i when we decided we were going to have uh you know what we, when we decided well i you know clearly we knew we were going to have a hundredth episode because you know we did 99 last week yeah so um you know when we decided uh we we're trying to think of what we wanted to do for our hundredth episode uh we said you know, we thought of, we played around with the idea of doing a special episode like we've done in the past for for certain holidays and and stuff like that. And we just decided that I think we would just invite back our 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 most our, our guest that has been on the most number of times and is uh, our our sort of uh, honorary member of Cinemental, um, making his fourth appearance tonight on the show uh, and a very special and, and thankful appearance in episode one hundred. Uh, a storyteller from San Diego, California, living in Madison, Mississippi award-winning writer of comic book short stories and short films, but mostly he just spends his days directing creatively as an ad man. James Ninnis, welcome hey. to episode 100 of Cinemental. It is a pleasure to be here with you boys uh, once again. And I just thank you for that horn at the beginning. <laughs> it really <laughs> sets, sets the that was my That was my Muppet homage. Yeah, it's sets, perfect. It sets the bar. <laughs> Right, you yeah. can't. We're never going lower than that, so we're gonna was, be I, all right. I was really hoping after I did that, Latham was Latham was gonna go boom, 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 boom. Can you do it again? Can you do it again? It right was now? very Monty Python. Yeah, that sounds like the big one of the beginning stages of Super Mario Brothers. Okay, that's what oh, it does. It does. James has just emerged from a green pipe. Okay. Oh my god. All righty. Actually, if anyone's in a green pipe, it's Hassan. Uh yeah. So uh on that note, I think we will suffer from consumption. Ah. <laughs> uh james uh what do you uh what do you watch uh what have you been looking at lately you know what i just i finished a few things i i, I caught the nevers ah. okay yeah so nevers. Hassan, Hassan watched it i i, I and latham it's, have not it's x-men someone was like what if we did x-men but like as victorian feminists and i'm <laughs> okay oh i'm okay. not watching that show i mean it's 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 literally it's x-men yeah uh it's, it's also fine. Joss Whedon X-Men, so... Yeah, I mean, it's if you wanted... If you always wondered what Joss Whedon's X-Men would look like as all women in Victorian England, this is the show for you. Yeah, it's, 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 it's love it. pretty much... It's wheelhouse right okay. there. Okay. Um, I also watched uh, the Love... Is it Love, Death, Robots? or Love, Sex, and Robots. I, I did see that. I forgot yeah. to mention that. But I saw that like yeah. two weeks ago, so I forgot to put it on. I enjoyed yeah, that. You never mentioned that. I, I, I really like the first ones. Yeah. Um, I feel like people dismiss animation too quickly. Like I read a lot of reviews that were like it was fine, 
Dude, that shit's hard. It, like, it, they make it look really fucking easy. It's it, hard work. It wasn't as heavy. Like, those episodes it weren't wasn't. as heavy as the first season, the first show or first season or whatever yeah, you want to call but it. But I don't, I, don't, I don't need everything, all of my entertainment to feel like a full meal. I'm okay with some light snacks Fair. as long as they're still well-crafted. And I thought these were fine. Um, Are we talking like uh, Animatrix here? Is that kind of what we're talking about? Sort of. There's short bites like that, yeah, except they might all be thematically linked, but they're not directly So the first season and thusly the second uh, season of Love, Sex, and Robots actually grew out from or evolved into its existence from uh, the uh, a a sequel to Heavy Metal. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Sure. Okay. Yeah. The guys behind that one. And you see the another... DNA in it when you watch it. Yeah. You right. You, you know. Yeah. I can totally see that. And the first is, I, I still think the first is better, but I think <laughs> that the second is a worthy follow. Like, if, if you like the first, you will probably. Yeah, it's like good. It. It's good stuff. Right. It's just not um, as it's not as heavy as the first. I mean, there's, yeah. there were some things uh, suggested or introduced <laughs> in the first one, like, holy shit. You know, these guys are, I don't know what these guys <laughs> are taking, but. Um, they were yeah. trying to rock a boat in the first one. In the second what? one, they were just... I have not watched all the pieces of the first one, but let me ask you this. Does anything beat the episode in the first one with the the girl who's the fighter, the robots fighting? Oh, that the fight, cool. The fighting creatures. Is there a better one than that? Nope. Probably not. No. Okay. Okay. I mean, the, the first one, my favorite one was the first one, the old lady in the, the room. Yeah, that was pretty good. Okay. That was fun. I like that. I like Hassan's point. That was just fun. Like, there's no, yeah. you don't leave that episode with, like, mm, I've got some shit to chew on. And, the, and the beached uh, whale one. Yes. Was yes. very interesting. Yes. Was very. That one was way headier than the rest. Yeah. And it was bleak. It was pretty bleak. But, um, was. but and, you know, not to give anything away about it, but it was pretty. Yeah. I need to sit down and watch it. Yeah, they're good. good. They're worth your time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The other two things I watched were both on Netflix also were uh, I watched the last season of the Kaminsky Method. Um, okay. Never saw it. I really enjoyed that show. Uh, I mean, it's it's. I am not the demographic, but I still I still very much like it. It's for my parents. What's age. the what's the basis? What's the so, basic concept? It's an out of work actor uh, played by oh god Michael know. Douglas. Yeah, Douglas, and and now he teaches. He teaches an acting class, right? Okay. And the whole show, all three seasons, really revolve around him and his relationships um, of a guy who kind of has to acknowledge that the the best days are behind him and he's teaching something he was never particularly successful at. Oh, okay. And so, but it's all played as a comedy, like a half hour sitcom. Um, but some of the, sh- some of the people that show up are absolutely phenomenal. His co-star from Romancing the Stone is in season three. What's Kathleen Turner. Kathleen Turner shows wow. up. Nice. Ryder is in seasons two and three and he is, <laughs> he is transcendent. He is probably the best piece. I mean, he puts on like a fat suit and he's bald. (laughs) The most Jewish old man you've ever met in your life. Like he just leans into his in a beautiful way. Uh, It's it's a really interesting character piece. Uh, And there's a lot of, it's very funny, um, especially when you see his approach to acting as he's teaching these young kids who want to be actors and how they all approach art differently. Um, Anyways, I recommend it. It's 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 easy to watch real quick. Uh, and the last thing I watched that is not easy to watch or real quick was Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
Every yeah. week I put it off and more people tell me it sucks. So I really don't. Here's the thing, man. Like you watch all of these guys things and then you see, you, you got to think like we fucking deserve justice league for letting this guy. Like we, we deserve that. <laughs> we deserve that. Like we put our, it was not a fair burden to put on that man's shoulders to a DC universe. That was not fair. This man was not equipped for that. And, and he is a great I'm going to say this. He, he knows how to direct an action sequence. And I really enjoy watching his action movies. I just wish someone else would write them. And I wish all he would do is direct them. It's kind of like George Lucas with the, um, with the dialogue, right? You, I, he can plan a movie. He can plan a movie and he could, he could direct a movie. But you got to get someone else. Someone else has got to got to punch up his dialogue. I mean, this thing, there there are zombies like they're fighting zombies, and then there's like two zombies that they're fighting that are, are robots. Yeah, and, and now you know as much about it as I do. Because I don't, I don't, I don't know if you, uh, James. I don't know if you've taken the time, but there is a. If you want to, I can send you the link. There's a video on YouTube that delves into. Yes. Okay, I saw that. Okay. But I saw, I saw that there's, he's building worlds and he's doing all this stuff. Here's the thing, man. Look, it's one thing to plant an Easter egg, right? Like uh, right. the Cosmic Cube. Like I get that. Thanos trying on his gauntlet, even though it's the wrong hand. I get that. You know what I'm, <laughs> like, I'm down with Easter eggs. people notice that too. That's right. That is not what, the, this was like in the it. middle of a movie about a zombie attack, we're going to just show Alien. Like our, our, our well, yeah, and here and here's the thing. I, I just wish he would make a movie and not world build. I just want him to make a movie. Just make a movie. Don't imagine take don't, that phrase world build. Imagine if Zack Snyder actually built our world. Oh well, I'd be like Earth by him. Yeah. No, it's Earth. scary, right? So maybe we don't let this guy do that. You know what? There's a new Discovery Channel series, Earth, according to Zack Snyder. I just no. I just, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's hard to see someone who's very obviously talented at a talented at a thing not be able to do that thing well because he's trying to do all these other things, right? Like I really think That's that if, if he was given like an action movie, just an action movie. And all he had to do was direct it. It could be fucking cool. That's, it could be cool That's movie. fair, but I mean the market has changed so badly and then you know yeah. um like you know, for for like self-publishing for for writing, you know? Like if you're not a market person, you should be able to get a market person, right? You should, you know, it's, it's, it's hard enough to be creative, you know? And then there's like, you got to sell yourself. You got to put yourself out there 24 hours. You got to learn how to, it's like, no, but I mean, that's the world we live in where everybody's, everybody puts an emphasis on, you got to be the only man, you know, you got to be the one to do it. And so it's, he's a victim of that mentality. I think, you know, agreed. And uh, there's there's too much emphasis on it. It's like, well, why can't I just do this thing that I right. really that I'm that I'm passionate about, and that I, you know, to 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 serve various extents, I struggle with, right? Because I'm just trying to, to make it as perfect as possible. Why why can't someone else do this other part? I was like, right. no, that's just not how it works, you know. Like I, I've got friends who are, you know, various friends who are musicians who are like. We just want to play songs. Like we, we just want to play at bars or at shows, you know. But now, yeah. in order to even do that, you have to have developed such a web presence and have a following, so that you could just book a a, a dive bar. It's the most ridiculous <laughs> thing, and it's like, well, we're not good at that, but we're good at playing music. We're not, you know. 
And then you, right. you, you go find a guy, you find someone who's good at that other thing, but he's, he's a swindler, you know, that's why he's good at it. So now you can't trust <laughs> 90% of anything that that sure. guy tells you or does yep. for you, you know? So it's, it's hard to know though, if, if Zack Snyder is, is a victim of that, or if he just, if it's control, I, I have a hard time thinking that Zack Snyder couldn't find someone to write a script or look it over. Well, yeah, but I mean, right. people have been like, what I say is like, I'm not saying that people won't let him, but the mentality now is I got to, I can't, I have to do all this. On oh, I my see own, like it's so ingrained know? in him. Yeah. You know, like the, the, okay. the okay. Sure. it's like the master mold of all this stuff is like, I've been, I've been effed over so many times. I got to just do this on my own. You know, I can't, you know, I built this. I mean, he did a lot of substantial work for the DCEU like it or like it or hate it. He, he, he laid a lot of groundwork and yeah. people just kept messing with it so badly that it didn't, you know, that that even with his limited capacity for, you know, expansion and and clarity in, in certain cases, it, it made it even worse, you know? And then, like, to swap him, like, whoever's genius idea is to take his style, his, his storytelling style, and just have Joss Whedon fill in the blanks of that. Like, who... Whose mind, you know, like who put that together? Like, there's no one is thinking. somebody who saw the Avengers. That's yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, that's what it comes down to. That's it, man. They were like, this guy did what it was. You can't. I mean, obviously, you can't do that. There's a there are there are varying. You know, there's there's there there are a myriad of reasons why the Avengers worked, and a, a lot of it was the planning and the groundwork that was laid. <laughs> the ten the, years that came, yeah, before in the it. movies that came yeah. before it. You can't just like, okay, we'll we'll just hire that guy and just you know. And throw these iconic characters at him, and he'll fix everything. And yeah. not just the movies that came before it; the successful movies. Well, that came look, look at it. Look at it this way: if you had just put out the Avengers cold, with not the preceding seven or eight films, no, would it have done what it did? No, of course no. not. No, no, no. That's silly. It would have been successful. It would have been, it would have been a moderate success, yeah. but exactly. it, would have been, it would have done fine. It, it was would, the it first would, Marvel it, movie. It would have made a ton of money. A yeah, ton that's what Avengers. I, I think you're know. looking at. I don't know about that. I don't think it would have been what it was. I think it would have made a lot of money, but it would not have been what it was. Because yeah. one of the one of the because the storytelling would have been different. One of the, like one of the greatest things about the Avengers is the momentum it was able to to yes. it was able right. to hit the ground running because it didn't have to waste time explaining Captain America, Correct. explaining Iron Man, or any of that other stuff. You know, and that's why Age of Ultron is a weaker product because now it's like okay, you now tell story. You know, instead of you complete the story. You put these elements together, and then do you, and then put together uh, a spectacular ending. It's like it, it's now you start to become intricate. You know, you start to uh, develop nuances between characters and relationships between characters. You know, it's like almost every relationship that was established in Age of Ultron was dropped the moment he left all those projects. You know, because that's not well. And it didn't work that. that way. It was they weren't laid down correctly because ultron, it wasn't it didn't offer that kind of space ultron was introduced in age of ultron there was mm -hmm. nothing introduced in avengers it right. was things coming together mm -hmm. right the the chitari sure but they were not i mean they showed up at the very end right as yeah. the army and it was, they were like blank aliens. loki was around yeah. cosmic cube was around shit thanos had been planted all those characters had been around like Avengers was a coming together. Age of Ultron, they, they tried to create a new bad guy in an hour and a half. And 
that's not going to stack up with Loki and the Cosmic Cube and the Chitari and Dan. Like, come on, that's just not even a fair. James, what's your what's the best Avengers movie of the four? The best or your I favorite? Mean, I really, really liked Annihilation, and I really liked Endgame. Wait, what's um, Annihilation? Isn't that the the third Endgame. one? You mean, uh, uh, Infinity, you mean War. Infinity War? Endgame. Infinity War. Infinity War. Infinity War and Endgame. And Infinity what's yours, Steve? Out of the 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 four Avengers films, yeah. I, I would pro- I would probably say Infinity War. And you, and I, I agree. What, what about you, Hassan? Infinity War, probably my favorite. Yeah, I think that's easily the best one, and I think the other three are all overrated, personally. But, but you I'm couldn't have comic. had, you couldn't have built, you couldn't have had an Infinity War without all the other, all right. the other foundational uh, yeah, but components. I'm just it. saying, as an individual film, it's it works. I think, I think they're strong in different ways. I, I really do. I think they're they're all very different films, and I think that's okay. Because frankly, if I look at my Avenger comics, they're all different. I mean, they really are. True. That's okay. Yeah, that's true. Uh, if I looked at my Avenger comics... Um, You'd be done very quickly. I don't I have... Like Ultra, I'll tell you this. I like Ultron more with every viewing. That's an, it's, interesting, it's interesting that you say that because I was just actually sitting here listening to this conversation as, as I, I have on my list of stuff to go back and rewatch because age of Ultron, there's only one part of age of Ultron that I like. And that is the scene from the, from when I saw it in the theater, I was like, I just thought the whole movie was very meh, but the one scene that I absolutely loved in the film or the one part of the film that I absolutely loved was when they went to Hawkeye's farm. That's my favorite Mm. part of the age of Ultron is when they go to Hawkeye's farm. See, I think James Spader like is, one of, the best, is one of the like best it. villains in the entire Marvel Universe. I think Ultron, I don't think he was developed enough, but I think, frankly, that's a victim of time, not, right. not Spader. Yeah, but I mean, I think like Spader it, just was got up, it just got obnoxious. He monologued through the whole film. Like, it's like, that's what he does! That's what Ultron fine, does! But you, you can monologue and still do things. You know? I actually liked that he monologued, and then in the middle of a monologue, Hulk beat the shit out of him. Like I like that's that one that gag a though. That's a, it's a gag, you know. Like it, totally, it, totally. Right, it's fine. I'm, I get it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying it's a gag. It's like it's yeah. just like I'm, I'm in my recent rewatch of it, where I didn't. I didn't hate it more. I you know I liked it exactly the same amount that I liked it when I first saw it. But if I've started to find like, like quirks, you know, like the storytelling quirks that were just irritating you know like this is a this is not a this is not a component of narrative this is a quirk you know this is not a piece of narrative this is a quirk you know this is and i'm not talking about this is not this is not necessary i'm not i'm not talking about whether it's necessary or not i think the quirk kind of sometimes gets in the way of the narrative you know it's like okay we had to stop for that beat did we really have to stop for that like you've got a lot of stuff going on here you know you've got you've got a lot of uh, uh, you know, plates in the air. So it's me personally, but I mean, I have, I've got personal biases against the mm-hmm. uh, the creator. So sure, you can 100%. chalk it up to that, maybe. And so, you mean that he's a piece of shit? No, <laughs> I don't. I've, I've, I've never, he, I've not been a, a huge. He's fan. not a Whedon guy. No, I've not been a huge fan of his writing. Um, for the I, longest I, time, I was a big fan of his writing, which makes me think he's an even bigger piece of shit because I'm so disappointed. Yep, that's, that's fair. where I'm at. That's exactly where I'm at. Everybody else is now finally joining me, and because he was he was a messiah. Oh, there's there was no there was oh, no I'm way to ever talk. Bro. I get it. 
There was no was way to I, ever talk against that guy. Like there was no one was like, I just don't like, right. I just don't like that. I just don't like what he did there. I don't like his divisiveness. I don't like his, mm-hmm. his nervous ticks and his quirks and his quips. Like, I'm, you know, why can't we just, and the people are like, you don't understand that. The, the reason is you don't get him. And I'm like, maybe I don't. <laughs> that <laughs> is the most offensive fucking thing anyone I know. Yeah, maybe right? maybe I don't understand it. Yeah, maybe I don't understand it, but I certainly know I don't <laughs> like it. So like, maybe yeah, I do. Enough. Maybe maybe I get it, and I think it's fucking stupid. It, yeah. <laughs> it's, what about that? Know, like like there is a possibility that I understand what yeah. I see, and I just don't like what I see. I mean, there is that. What if I also it, think you're a fucking moron? Yeah, what about that? Yeah, what if I think right, I get yeah. it? That's I why he's our. A hundredth episode guest right there. <laughs> Call that guy out. What you don't seem to get is that you're an idiot. That's, I mean, That's so right. Now we both don't get anything. Uh, block. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Facebook jail. <laughs> yeah, like, what? Yeah, Facebook. You guys are gonna be able to. You're gonna be able to label like five movies in this podcast because we've gotten some pretty good conversations. Yeah, right. Okay. Unfortunately, yeah. the podcast is over now because yeah. we yeah, talked right. for uh, two hours on the. Sorry uh, about so, that. Oh shit, we haven't even gotten no. to Steve yet. We haven't even done. Oh no, yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's basically gonna take us to four o'clock I'm in done. the morning. That's, so. I'm gonna sign off. That's all I saw. I'm done. So yeah. good seeing you guys. And take uh, care. See you at episode 150, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. So, uh, I started off my last week, last week, I got, I tried to get a little bit more back in my groove of, of watching some stuff. The previous week, James, last week, you should have been here. The only film besides the films I watched for the podcast, uh, was army of the dead. That's the only, that's the (laughs) only movie I saw last week because I was, I was busy doing work stuff and I, I couldn't have, I couldn't have background. Empty calories, man. It's all you need. Yeah, that's that's a that's a, it's a whole conversation. Um, so I started last Thursday with my my uh, usual groove of of watching some documentaries on Prime. That's how Steve um, got his groove back? I Steve, got, Steve got my groove back. <laughs> and I uh, I watched a I watched one called the Barkley Marathons, um, the race that eats its young. And this guy has been doing this. Uh, it's it's technically I guess you'd call it a. Uh, a wilderness or adventure race because it's it takes place in the woods in Pennsylvania. But this guy does the race. You have to you have to fill out an application. The application he's been doing this race for like twenty five or thirty years. The application fee is a dollar sixty, <laughs> and he hand picks all the people who are going to run in the race based solely on the responses to the questions that he sends out, not on their ability or anything else. Okay. And uh, so basically what it comes down to is he creates a new path every year and it's essentially a loop. Okay. So it can be run forwards or backwards. So it's a 20, you know, theoretically the idea is it's a 20 mile loop year to year. That loop changes from 20 to 25 miles, depending on where it goes, but it's always just 20 miles, but it may be more. So, uh, you've got so the idea is you run you run you run it forwards and then you run your second one has to be at night and it's backwards and then your next one is forwards at night and your next one is backwards during the day so you you run it twice this loop once each in the day and the night okay and you're not allowed GPS. You're only allowed to take a compass and a map. Fuck why? this race. Yeah, why? 
And then whoever is in the lead, if there is someone, because they've had many years where nobody finished, there's five loops is the race. So you get to the last loop. If you're in the lead, you decide which direction you go forward or backward through the loop. And then the next person has to go the other direction. Okay. And then they just alternate, you know, if they have enough people, usually they don't have more than one or two people who make it to the fifth loop anyway. But um, yeah, I think, I think in 20 some years, there's only been 13 or 14 finishers. What state did it take place in? In Pennsylvania. Or maybe there's a Tennessee. That doesn't matter. One of those gonna be a lot of a lot of hills somewhere and a lot between of tre- Ohio and Delaware. A lot of hills, a lot of a lot of hills, a lot of trees. Doesn't fucking matter. A lot of hills and a lot of trees. That's all it comes down to. But uh, it was really interesting because they focused on this one year that had two guys that did end up finishing. But it's like you know some guys go like one like the first guy who dropped out. Uh, you have by the way you have sixty hours. <laughs> The caveats to, keep coming. Jesus Christ. What, is, what are you, you using? Have, you have 60 hours to What's finish happening? this. <laughs> um, like the first guy, he got a quarter of the way through the first loop and quit. But he was gone for 10 and a half hours. That's why he quit. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Anybody who has a no simple math knows he's not going to get it done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then every year, and then every year, like he has the guy who runs the race picks like one other random thing that that is part of your, that is part of your, and people apply to this from all over the world. Like people come from Germany, Australia, Africa to like to, to try and run this thing because it's like the ultimate, the, like the ultimate ultimate challenge for people. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so then I continued my uh, my race documentary on to something called Desert Runners, which follows a group of people through the quest to run these four desert, these hundred kilometer desert races uh, in the same in the same year. Uh, and they run the Sahara Desert, the Gobi Desert, Antarctica and Patagonia. James, do you want to say it or you want me to say it? <laughs> Go ahead. Why the fuck are these people doing this? Yeah. <laughs> Why do people climb Everest? <laughs> I guess. Ah, that's a little different, but is yeah, it the Everest? Everest feels like a feat. This feels like I want the Snyder Cut bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> this is it's like Snyder unnecessary. Cut this is, this is close what, to the, I didn't need that. James, you just don't understand what's going on here. That's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, all. Yeah, you yeah. Don't you just understand don't, these desert races. You just don't I get Snyder and you don't get Whedon and you just got to right. give it up, man. Just give it up. Don't get running <laughs> in the desert for the Snyder cut of the desert days. races. It's like yeah. uh, Andy Warhol 24 hour movie. Then I watched, uh, after that, I watched a documentary about two guys who paddled their way from. Uh, it was called Paddle to Seattle and they, they paddled their way from the lower, the lowest. Okay, the lowest part of the lowest. It's like the lowest point in Alaska. And that's basically there's an inland waterway that runs essentially down the coast all the way down to Seattle. Uh, And these two guys built their own canoes and then spent three months, three months paddling the twelve hundred miles to Seattle. Were they Inuit? Nope. Couple of a couple of white millennial guys. Yeah. 
Don't you have books to to publish, man? <laughs> what, yes. What are you, you doing? The list of like Rex. Have you watched every movie? What's that? Have you watched every movie on every platform? Because you see the bottom of the barrel. No. Yeah, no. he's like, it's, 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 I just, I like just it's scraping, weird, right? It's, it's, it feels yeah, like, it's, like it's, it's a very much a, a stream of consciousness way of picking stuff. Netflix like, is I, like, I watch is something, got left, bro. Like, I watch something <laughs> and then. <laughs> I watch something, and then in the in the row below where it says, "Hey, you might like this," uh, I pick something out of that. You're room. the guy. You're the guy. <laughs> you're the guy who clicks that, huh? Yes. yes. All right. Yes. One of my one of my favorite things, and this is this is uh, slightly related. Uh, watching um, <laughs> watching the ring years ago with uh, Naomi Naomi Campbell or whatever, and I said, "Naomi Watts." Naomi Watts. Naomi whatever. 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 No one's ever gonna fucking watch this. This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen, and I'm not watching this fucking film anymore. And then someone brought over the DVD, and we put the DVD in, and there's a there, you know, there was a menu, and at the bottom of the menu it says "Don't watch this," and that was the first fucking thing I clicked on. So I'm like, I just fucking, I, I just destroyed my entire argument about this goddamn movie. Yeah. So yeah. how is this related to desert racing? Uh, it, because <laughs> I, I'm totally lost here. Because I, my, I don't understand. I'll explain it to you if you shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> because I we just, are the suckers that these that this content is made for. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. We are the yeah. ones. We are the, the consumers that they make this stuff for. They know us psychologically. They know our, our tells. And I have they very eclectic us. interests when it comes to documentaries. So you you one, are one, of one word for people. it. Who watched the two white boys paddle? <laughs> Could be. The Could two be. white millennials on their way. <laughs> yeah. And the other, way, and the other one was the one guy's parents. <laughs> when you asked what what they were, I was in my head. I was like, they're gonna be fucking white millennials. Only, oh yeah. yeah. Only What's white the millennials. Name of that documentary, like, Steve. I'm gonna build a cat. It's it's it's, it's called Paddle to Seattle. <laughs> They okay. had the title in their head. Yeah, that, I mean, they, the they might as well it. call it. We aren't even trying. Here. <laughs> <laughs> just get in the canoe and let the current take them. And the fuck if they're working their way down to Seattle, they're just we'll fucking floating. Yeah, well, there, there's actually a whole bit in the movie about why they chose the title too. So I, there's a whole thing. I there. hope I'm, you're proud I, of yourself. Either, I guess. <laughs> so yeah. So uh, Saturday morning, okay. I woke up. And instead, I watched the 26th film in the Zatoichi series. <laughs> nice. Nice. Okay. Nice. Which one was that? That was a... That's not the yes, one with Yujimbo. Yes, it's called, it's called Zatoichi. Oh, okay. So it's like when someone... Yeah, okay. I'm it's going. not called Zatoichi, but yes, it for, is. The, for the it's distribution, a, they were like... No, it's, just fucking call it Dr. Weezy. Yeah, it's because it's the one that came like 16 years after the yeah. end of the 25 yeah, film so it's series, a revival. But, it, but it's the same guy. Mm -hmm. And it's the last one with him and mm -hmm. in it as a role. And he also directed it. So is this a Godzilla movie? No, no. not oh, at all. Blind really Blind Samurai roaming the uh, countryside. Oh, okay. That everybody uh, messes with for no reason. And then yes, and gets and to come up and abjectly slaughters. It's the template for the Incredible Hulk. If you, if you ever watch uh, 
right. Ferrigno's Incredible Hulk. It's pretty much the same premise. There you go. And I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna go back and start watching the uh, the first twenty five of uh, of those films just so I can those. And I've got all the baby cart films too, uh, the Showgun and baby cart films. So uh, hopefully I'm going to uh, my favorite get movies. through get just, through all those. To, just to uh, reiterate too, you have not seen an episode of Black Mirror yet, correct? So uh, after Zatoichi, I watched <laughs> well I watched uh, well a done. Korean a Korean disaster movie called Tidal Wave, oh. <laughs> which is exactly what it sounds like, and uh, and then I I, I I segued into a a very crusty uh, DVD rip uh, a movie that I'm pretty sure has not been ported to Blu-ray. Uh, of an old 1980 horror film called Blood Beach. Uh, which oh, is wow. About I remember that. A, a weird monster that lives under the sand um, <laughs> on this beach. So, you know, <laughs> you know go figure. Not really, not really an interesting. Yeah, there's title. not a whole lot of depth to it. <laughs> yeah. um, it's pretty oh, interesting man. because I watched the extended uncut version and it was funny to see the about 12 seconds of added footage. Uh, in the movie, which uh, was comprised solely of one boob shot and a couple of bloody green rubber hand monster hand shots, like raking down a leg. Um, and it was not color corrected with the rest of the film. So it was very obvious where they cut that footage in. <laughs> well, so. Wow. Um... So then I watched a movie called a uh, documentary called Blood and Flesh, the real life and ghastly death of Al Adamson. If um, you love Blood Beach. no these these i actually took off of one of my hard drives these i actually purposely targeted um so this is a documentary about a uh a a schlocky b-movie director from the from the 80s or 70s and 80s named al adamson and uh how what happened to him later in his life uh was just a horror basically he he basically stumbled into a situation where he ended up dying at the hands of a guy who he had hired to work on his house and this guy then uh ripped out a hot tub in his basement and buried the body and and cemented the floor over the top of him and like hid the body in this guy's own house fucking crazy just absolutely nuts um good documentary then i uh uh then i watched two movies which are close in title uh and similar in structure one was called Truth or Die, and the other one was called Truth or Dare. Yeah, I heard now, Truth or Dare. There are two Truth and Dare films. One came out in 2017, and one came out in 2018. One's British, one's American. I'd seen the American one in 2018 before, so the 2017 one from Britain was the one I watched. Um, and then we watched uh, an old 70s uh, uh, Hammer-esque film called The Legend of Hell House, which was not bad. Um, you know, got that creaky old manor mansion feel kind of thing. Woke up Sunday morning and watched the new pink documentary on Amazon, which if you haven't seen it, fucking phenomenal. If you're yeah, a pink I, I, fan. That's true. You have to you have to at least be a little bit of a pink fan. But I tell you, she I for some for a for a pop star who you don't necessarily hear a lot about in the news like being silly or stupid or anything else uh she's got her shit together and it's she's a pretty interesting character i have to say um that was really good um 
just to expand, you know, basically what it is, is she's doing a stadium tour in Europe. And so it's basically the 30 days that lead up to the final two shows of that tour, which are in Wembley arena or Wembley stadium, which are going to be like 75,000 people at each one. So, uh, it's just, yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) It's just uh, it's a it's a really cool because she starts off doing she's like she does a show in like Amsterdam and then she bounces around to some other places. But um, it's 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 pretty good. Um, then I watched a documentary that we stumbled across called Allison, which was about a South African woman in the 80s who got um, kidnapped, uh, raped and left for dead on the side of a road or on the, off the side of a road. Um it, the the crazy part of the story is how how much they fucked her up and she still lived because of just unbelievable dumb luck like they cut they cut her neck so badly and i don't even know how this worked but they cut her neck and her neck muscles so badly that at one point when she was finally able to gather up her the intestines that had fallen out of her belly and get to to get herself to the point where she could try and get to the road when she stood up she realized he was she was looking up because her head had fallen back between her shoulder blades because they had cut so much of the muscle in her neck all right well and she was and they they severed her trachea (laughs) Which so she was breathing through her neck hole. Okay. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being the guy who who checks what people are watching on their streaming? Like who works at Netflix? Yeah. Like, and you're like, guys, I'm I'm pretty sure we've got a fucking serial killer at the yeah, Obeki yeah, yeah, residence. This guy likes guy racing. He, he's watching Beach Directors. Cut, yeah, guys. he's watching Thank horror God. films, documentaries about killing people, and then how to get away with canoes <laughs> and in deserts. <laughs> To get away all kinds of weird distances. shit for sure this guy's killing people yeah hassan has disowned you yeah, hassan has just walked away you got but, two you got two screens of death from hassan. yes so the other thing is is how they managed to miss her carotid artery oh my god and her jugular and how they managed to miss uh the the doctor was saying that there's a nerve cluster right in her neck that if they had cut that that they probably never would have been able to reattach it because it's such a complex series of, of, of nerves that go down that they would never would have been able to like properly fix that. And how that they missed these like two or three points when they were cutting everything else willy nilly. Uh, it was just un- uh, unreal. Did they catch these guys? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause she knew them. She actually wrote their names in the sand with her finger before she got up and left but yeah and then the cops ended up uh getting finding the two guys they got them both they were both sentenced uh uh they were both sentenced to life without parole and then ended up coming up for parole anyway what state australia i'm sorry south africa south africa south africa south africa yeah um so this was so the interesting part of this was at one point the documentary maker, the filmmaker reached out to the guy, the main guy in prison to ask him if he would be interested in being interviewed 
for the documentary. And he said, sure, under the following conditions. One, he gets a letter of forgiveness signed by the girl. Yeah, that's it. It's over. Done. Two, and apparently at some point, he was also trying. So she ended up becoming. So, you know, after she recouped herself, she worked at a travel agency, but she ended up becoming a motivational speaker and developing this program, this self-help program, basically around like how like she got her life back together. And apparently she's done really well with it, like travels the world with this 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 speaking engagement program. And apparently at one point he was trying to sue her for proceeds from it because she never would have it never would have she never would have gone down that road if not for him it's it's a permanent catharsis for her because she i mean you know, yes this, exactly this, it's fucking ridiculous this, but yeah, it's I just mean, a fucking crazy story from I mean, start is, to finish the fact that these guys are still alive annoys me annoys yes me. um and so then the last uh the last three films i watched um were high rise with oh, uh yeah. hiddleston what what a fucking crazy movie! Holy yeah. shit! What is it? I called? like that one. It's called High Rise. I, I, oh. It's got Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. I've been wanting to watch it for a while. That director I've... did something else that was was pretty. Yes. Wild. What was it? I'll look it up. You keep going. Okay. Uh, and then I watched. So you know, I I had always heard horrible, terrible, bad things about the movie Mordecai with Johnny Mordecai. Depp with Johnny with Johnny Depp. Mordecai. And it's just it's just a silly film. It's not it's not terrible. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just a silly comedy with Johnny Depp being silly, making another silly creation. So Ben Wheatley, he did Free Fire, which Ben is Wheatley, there you go. Free Fire is great. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah. Uh and then finally, uh, we watched a movie called Officer Down about a cop that would get brought back. It would get, go out and do these like massive bloody executions and then get killed and then brought back and brought back to life. And there's a whole, isn't that a comic series? Isn't that an, it was a comic book originally Yeah, yeah, from uh, Chris Burnham. And uh, that's right. I was going to say Tony fleece is, is is connected to that. He's cause he knows Burnham. Okay. Yeah. Chris Burnham did it originally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I got about halfway through it, realized I'd seen it. So, uh, I ended up just finishing it anyway. It's got the guy from Sons of Anarchy. Yes, Kim. Uh, I can't think of his last name, but yes, that's that guy. It was the main? Yeah. It was was Officer Down D O N E D O W. I was going to ask you if uh, that was the name of the officer in the movie, but I pretty much knew it was. Yep. And uh, then I watched the two movies for today. So, um, so yeah. Oh, oh, TV. I which, forgot TV, which we'll talk about next time. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, no, no, no. So I watched, obviously I watched Mayor of Easttown. Um, we continued through uh, another couple episodes of DCI Banks and I'm continuing my, my listen watch of, of NCIS. I'm in, approaching the end of season two and we watched the Friends reunion. So it wasn't that just to get together and talk about it. They didn't actually do an yeah, episode, it wasn't, right? It yes. wasn't anything. Yeah. Who Did you watch it, Lay? Uh, I just read about matthew perry slurring his words a lot that's okay so once really again you're care. commenting on something you haven't watched pretty pretty much well Which i know pretty I, much I you do that I just all the time watched it i said i okay not, i did not pretending to have watched it okay everyone right. i talked to who watches friends loved it and everyone who was 
critiquing it said it was schlock. That's all. That's what I read. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an it's a pure nostalgia play. That's all it is. That's all it was. Okay. Well, why didn't they just? Nah, what do I know? I'll be quiet. If only. And uh, so that. So uh, I, I guess uh, I guess we've suffered enough. All right. Uh, so the uh, James's uh, uh, partner film, I should say, because these two are are in some ways inextricably linked. 12 Monkeys. You're a very good observer, Cole. We have a very advanced program, something very different. An opportunity to reduce your sentence considerably. And possibly play an important role in returning the human race to the surface of the Earth. What year is this? What year do you think it is? 1996. That's the future, James. Do you think you're living in the future? I'm simply trying to gather information to help the people in the present trace the path of the virus. This is a place for crazy people. I'm not saying you're not mentally ill. For all I know, you're <laughs> crazy as a loon. The army of the 12 monkeys, they're the ones that spread the virus. Monkeys? I don't belong here. You're here because of the system. I know some things that you don't know. Science ain't an exact science. You had a bullet from World War One in your leg, James. How did it get there? I don't know. I can help you. Get you out. I just want to do my part to get us back on top in charge of the planet. From 1995, directed by Terry Gilliam with a running time of 129 minutes. Oh, shit, I didn't write a synopsis. That would have been the best synopsis, just that. Ah! <laughs> yeah. And this is, and this is why we do don't loop. do it live. Your synopsis should just be like two sentences in a circle. Like they just loop yeah, arr, arr, arr. Uh, A deadly virus wipes out almost all of humanity, forcing survivors to live underground. These survivors send a man back in time to try and find the origin of the virus. Good job, Ricky. I liked it. <laughs> well done. Did you, did you read that off of uh, IMDb or did you read that off of Wikipedia? Uh, I... I, I'm looking at Wikipedia. No, no, Latham, your, I, your reaction should be, how dare you? <laughs> yeah. You know? No, I'm definitely, how I mean, dare you? I know what the movie's about, but, you know, I wanted to, I couldn't, I just needed original. to see some words and I like combine them. Yeah. But we forgot about the last part of the movie, which involves a desert race between <laughs> Brad Pitt and. <laughs> Woo! Callback. <laughs> Well, we all know the one thing that will anger Steve. There's two things on the show that will anger Steve. Technical problems and me. <laughs> and and literally two things that are in every show. Technical <laughs> problems and late. So <laughs> just wait. Okay. I guess I will. Guys, I'm actually really proud. We did a movie that everyone agreed was good. Nah, uh, the movie's trash. Because Hassan, Hassan's kind of being apologetic yeah. about it, but yeah. was, I, I, I liked. I liked. I like. I told you the so movie. Good. The goddamn movie made me cry. How could I not? How yeah. can I not be on board with the film? That okay, was a I'll good give, one. I'll give it to you, buddy. I'm gonna give it to you. Then okay. this oh, is this is a with Tango and Cash, guys. We're doing great. Uh, so, uh, James, why did you? Uh, why did you pick Twelve Monkeys? Explain uh, yourself. I mean, really. All- <laughs> All the reasons that I picked Children of Men are the same reasons I picked 12 Monkeys. The pandemic connections, 
the the uh, the kind of sci-fi after a virus links are there. Yeah. Um, the big difference with this one, whereas Children of Men is is I mean, depending on your point of view, uh, enough hope or completely hopeless. Um, Twelve Monk Twelve Monkeys blew my mind when it came out because of the the cyclical kind of samsara nature of the film, um, and it's influenced a lot of my writing. I mean, if you if you've <laughs> ever read anything I've written, I have. There's a lot of of cyclical nature and and things kind of ending at the beginning and and stuff like that. Uh, and I, I I think I owe a lot of that to Twelve Monkeys and and Terry Gilliam uh, or Gilliam 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 Gilliam. <laughs> it's 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 got bruce willis in one of his non-actiony roles where he actually throws off some chops uh which are for sure which are good um and uh i don't know it was my first exposure to the post-apocalyptic genre i think and uh, oh. just the idea of of decrepit buildings that you could wander through and find animals uh, was fascinating before i understood it was because all the humans were dead uh, <laughs> <laughs> because of a virus so uh it's near and dear to my heart um although it's one of the few films that I, I say are near and dear to my heart like a guilty pleasure that most people like so it doesn't make me feel so guilty right on. um but it feels like it should be a guilty pleasure like i watch it and i'm like surely no one likes this uh, i don't know why i feel that way but i watch it and i'm like this has got to i'm the only person who likes this movie uh, but everyone i talk to seems to enjoy it until tonight we'll find out uh, I, yeah, I, I, this is again, like children of men. I've not seen, I have not sat through this entire film start to finish, uh, since it came out in theaters. And I think I'm, I was trying to remember going through this movie. I can guarantee thinking back on it, that there are definitely parts of this that I didn't get when I saw it the first time. Like there were parts that I, I, I either couldn't process correctly because of my age or I wasn't either. I, I'm sure I was paying attention, but there were, there were links in the chain that I somehow either didn't connect properly or just missed outright. And I think that probably hampered my original enjoyment of the film. Uh, watching it today. Um, it's funny. There's some, there's some parts very early on in this film, especially at the beginning before his first jump where that I get a very, uh, if you know, the guys, the, the French director, Junet and Caro, uh, who do delicatessen in city of lost children, um, visually some stuff there that clearly they probably pulled from, uh, Terry Gilliam's work. Oh, for sure. No. And, uh, watching a young Brad Pitt, uh, you know, he was cast in this and they shot this film, but by the time this film came out, Interview with a Vampire and Seven and another another key film in his career had been released and he had become kind of a, of a much more bankable star, not overnight, but in the period between when he shot this and when it actually was released. So he actually got... Uh, Gilliam got him for a pretty decent price. Um, you know, most everybody, I mean, Bruce Willis did this movie for free. He didn't get paid to do this until after the movie was released. That's when he got paid. Um, you know, I think that the, the, the budget for this movie was something like $24 million. And most of the actors in this film worked for scale or less. 
uh, because it, it, a Golden Globe or, or a, uh, sorry, uh, uh, an Academy Award or at least a nom. Uh, it was nominated for two Oscars. Um, it was nominated. Brad Brad Pitt was nominated. Yeah, that's right. And uh, best costume. That's unbelievable. I mean, he was he was he was pretty next level in it. Uh, uh, well, no, what's so funny? I thought about it. Yeah, first of all, yes, for the whole scene in that first time jump where he jumps wrongly into 1990, uh, and he spends that whole bit in the hospital. Yep. Every scene with Brad Pitt in it, you aren't watching anything but Brad Pitt. I mean, it's just, and the thing, and it took me a while because that thing with his eye was driving me crazy with his funky eye. It was a fake eye. Well, what I, what I found out was that they took a, and if there's one shot in the movie where you can see it. And what they did was they took a contact lens and they painted the eye on it, but all the way at the bottom rim of the eye. So it was off center. So that guy, that eye was always looking just a little bit lower than the other one. It gave him that, that cockeyed look. Yeah. But I mean, such a simple fix for a, a really, really effective uh, uh, thing with his eyes. Cause that, you know, from like the first time you see him, you're like, how the fuck did they get him to do that thing with his eyes? What the fuck is going on there? There's too yeah. much, there's too much white on that one eye. Yeah. Uh, I just I just have here uh, Pitt is mesmerizing. I mean, just I, and the thing is, is, there's so many funny things that you see him do with his hands that if you've watched him over the course of his career in some other roles, he's yeah. done some of those things in other roles, and you're just like, that's a Brad Pitt thing. And it's like here, I wonder is if it's here is where he sort of like generated all these. I heard uh, Gilliam took away his cigarettes. Yes, when he would come to set, so that he would get all like jittery. Yeah. 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 Which is kind of brilliant. Which in the uh, same way is what he did. Apparently he gave, he gave Bruce Willis like three rules for this film, which was like no glares, no, uh-huh. like, no, like, no, like the steely, the steely eyed glare at the camera. You know, there's none of that. Uh, and there, there was two other ones that I found, but it was like, it was really funny. Basically he just, he didn't want Bruce Willis to be Bruce Willis is what right. it came down to. And he said the whole reason he cast him, uh, apparently he read for, Bruce Willis read for the Jeff Bridges part in The Fisher King and lost to Jeff Bridges. Oh, wow. Hmm. Um, but Gilliam liked him so much. And then when he saw Die Hard and he saw the scene that when he's in the bathroom talking to his ex-wife and he's pulling the glass out of his feet, and then when he talked to Bruce, when Bruce came in to read for this and he found out that that was ad-libbed, uh, that Gilliam was like, I, I, I want you. I want you on the spot. That's 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 you're the guy I want. De Niro had already turned down the role. And uh, apparently the producers originally wanted Nicolas Cage. That's too much crazy. Him and Brad Pitt. <laughs> <would've been. laughs> that's too much crazy. <laughs> And uh, apparently Johnny Depp was uh, considered for the role of Jeffrey Goins, which I've always felt like Brad Pitt was like the right side of Johnny Depp. Like Johnny Depp went too into the makeup and the caricature and Brad Pitt always walked that line a little bit better. Yeah, I'll give you that. Uh, This, this again, this was another one where it was a lot of fun to watch in, in the place where my brain is at now as an adult. uh, And because I was just able to glean so much more from it. Um, I was able to follow all the time jumps, make, you know, make sense of everything that was going on. 
Um, I know that there's some, there's some, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there about, you know, is he actually crazy? Is, is any of this real? Is, is any of this truly happening? Um, which is, you know, always fun stuff to play around with, but I, I I'd prefer to just stick to the original story that they're, they're giving us and, and, and prefer that that be, um, the thing, you know, originally he had, he filmed, he filmed two different endings for this. Uh, and, you know, they had one where it ended on, it ended on Willis, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the airport and, you know, dying. And then he did the other one, which is the family walking out to the car in the, in the parking lot of the airport. And he filmed them both and ended up showing them both to the studio and the studio guys loved the walking out to the car one. And so, so Gilliam, Gilliam ended up liking both of them as well. And so included both of them. Uh, he ended the film the same way he intended, which was a close up on the eyes of the, of the young uh, James Cole character um, as the same way it opened it was on the eyes of the young James Cole character in the airport. Uh, it's uh it's a, it's a, it's a cool little, it's a cool little movie. And I, and I watched for the first time, I was talking to James earlier tonight and I watched for the first time tonight, the, uh, the French short film that it's based on, uh, oh. La Jette, and, uh, really neat little 28 minute long movie. You know, You've never I'll, seen that before. No, I'd never watched it. I, I, I this is going to be funny. I have a copy of it on videotape. I mean, it's like VHS, like a, a an actual released videotape of it. That's the one that's all still, right? It's yes. like pictures. Yeah, and it's all yeah. done in narration, essentially. It's yeah. a film film study class like staple. I mean, if you took a okay. film class, you should have seen this film. I saw it way back in college. Anyway, go on. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I just uh this was a lot of fun to watch again. I'm I'm really glad you picked it because uh it's a movie that I don't know that I necessarily this is one of those movies that I don't know I necessarily would have gone back to as soon. But uh, I'm really glad I did because it's another one of those that it's just really fun to see this again, like I said, in this head. And it was fun to follow Madeline Stowe. You know, I was going back over her her body of work today uh, during the movie. And I was like, you know, she's been in so much stuff and she never really seems to get. Really any no one really talks about Madeline Stowe as an actress and. It's funny because when you see her in stuff, she doesn't she doesn't really stand out, but she has the ability to rise to the level of whoever she's in the scene with and stand up to that actor. Like she's never like completely like overcowed in like whatever film she's in. It's like, you know, she's not necessarily a strong lead actress, but she compliments your actors in a way that just makes the whole thing better. And I think that's, that's almost a rarer occasion for an actress than just being a really good actress who can stand out on her own in whatever she does, but to be able to make the whole thing better by her being there is a more interesting kind of uh, thing to look at about her. I don't know. I've never That's... been mad she's in a movie. Like I've never seen her in a movie and been like, "Oh fuck, Madeline Stowe." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. I when I when I was when I was younger, I thought she was incredibly hot. 
Oh. Like Revenge. The uh, Kevin Costner. Yeah. That movie sucks. <laughs> it really sucks. That movie's terrible. But she's yeah, it's not terrible. Uh not because of Madeline Stuff. That's right. Not because of Madeline Stuff. That's true. Uh, although she has some very horrible things done to her in that movie. Uh, Hassan, 12 Monkeys. Uh, I hesitate to, to elaborate on this movie. Why? Just because of what happened last time. <laughs> I decided to, to elucidate on a, on a film. Um, Why? Why do you care? I'm oh, being please. funny. I, I think it's a great movie. I think it's I think it's a well told movie. I think it uh, it handles the nonlinear paradoxical timeline narrative better than most, um, and it does it in a in a manner that's entertaining, you know, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to like maddening. Like I don't know because every every clue it gives you it doesn't it's not telling you it's a clue until it reveals yeah you should have been paying attention to that you know <laughs> so it's not it's not leaving things out it's right. you know and and be and also because the world is so fucking bonkers you know uh, I remember being like very creeped out by Madeline Stowe's phone message when when I first oh, heard yeah. it you know but I didn't I didn't find it suspicious because. It just it it blended so well with the insane miasma of what was going on all around Bruce Willis. So, you know, it, and also they again had established these goons as completely unreliable, uh, you know, uh, proprietors over the society. So it's like any information they're giving him could be catted off as misinformation. So you know, I wasn't really paying deep attention to that until until she left the message and came back and told him she left the message and he was able to repeat the message. And then you're like, Oh, well, yeah, we should have been paying attention to that. Maybe I maybe should have held on to that. Uh, I, I think it's a, it's a very good movie. It's very, uh, it's very well told. I do think seeing it again this time, I, I've, I've started to feel that Gilliam's unique style of storytelling was getting in the way a little bit for me. I like Terry Gilliam. I like, you know, I love Brazil. I love it. I love his movies, but it's going to sound stupid, especially uh, compared to the the film that we're talking about. It's a pretty, it's actually a linear story that's being told and it's being told in a, in a nonlinear manner. And I think his unique style kind of, kind of just kind of gets in the way of the, 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 the uniqueness in which the story is being told. Like he's not, I'm not talking about his decisions, his storytelling decisions, but it's like there's, there's, you know, there are a lot of Gilliam esque quirks in the film. Yeah. And sometimes I just kind of, uh, you know, but that's just, that was, that <laughs> was just in the future stuff, especially yeah, in the future stuff. It's, it's, I mean, look, it's, it is its own thing. It, it, it insists on being its own thing, which is great. I always love movies that are like, I don't, we don't give a fuck. This is the way the future is. You know, this he's wearing a garbage bag and a whole bunch of other shit. And that's 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 a space suit in the future in my world. And I don't give a fuck whether you like it or not. I'm fine with it. But I think sometimes I think with all that unique uh, aesthetic, you know, that he's already, you know, that uh, that's already outlandish and absurd. I think for him to start doing other absurd, like, you know, quirks with the, you know, with camera jerks and movements and, you know, odd scene. I think that that's 
extending it a little too much personally, but that's only this time I saw the movie when I first saw it, you know, I was enthralled just like everybody else. Um, I, like I said, um, and, and as I was uh, talking about um, Mare of Eastland, I have to kind of not know that, that it's a mystery for me to be able to enjoy the mystery. Like oh, one of a great example is a uh, sleepy hollow. Like I went into that not knowing it was a mystery movie. Like it was like, who is the headless horseman or who's controlling the headless horseman. And therefore I wasn't taking, I wasn't automatically mentally taking notes. So by the time I was in the middle of the film, by the time I realized, Oh wait, we're supposed to be, this is a puzzle. You know, I had, I had no context for anything. So I was just in the long for the ride. A lot of times when I know that there's a, 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 a mystery, whether I'm right or wrong, because you know, I've, uh, that doesn't matter. My brain is so hard at work on trying to figure out the puzzles that they're giving me that I, <laughs> I can't really relax and enjoy the, the story. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's what it is. Most mysteries are kind of, the problem with most mysteries isn't the, the uh, isn't, aren't the clues that you're being given. It's the structure with, with the stories being told because it's still being told in a, in a very, in a very unmysterious visual language. So you can always tell what the what the people are hinting at by the by the way a, a shot is constructed or a way a scene is you know like there's things you you already know like you know if they if the if the three or four people elaborate on what plan they're about to implement you know it's going to go to shit you know um, whereas if they don't tell you what plan that they they've, they've cooked up and they go right into it you know it's going to work it's all going to work out even though there's going to be red herrings and misdirection all throughout you know. Sometimes those things are, are kind of hard to to be surprised at. I remember like understanding exactly what uh, the 12 monkeys were. I mean, excuse me, with all the stuff that was being done in 12 monkeys. But I still remember being surprised and, like, yeah, you know, kind of delighted that the 12 monkeys were a bunch of lunatics who let a bunch of animals out of out of the zoo. <laughs> I remember like, you know, I remember being surprised by uh, Madeline Stowe's uh, um uh, voicemail or whatever she's on the answering machine i remember being i also like not to not to bring anything back up but i also like the fact that madeline stowe's arc is very apparent you know like bruce willis pretty much is the same cipher through the end of the story but madeline stowe goes from being a complete non-believer a compassionate non-believer to you know to almost an enthusiastic or you know old conspirator believer yeah exactly so um so that always works uh, for me, and this is a happier movie than tw- uh, than uh, Children of Men. At least they beat it at the end, you know, as opposed yeah. to <laughs> you know, and it's to, and it's uh, subtle too because if you're not, yeah, I mean, you're not with it. Well, the, here's the thing, you know, every time he goes back and he gets, he's got that quorum of of people he's facing off with his quorum of the geologists, the biologists, whoever they are, the the that group of old people, the scientists who are sending him back, you know, you Breaker, know, six, six, maker. exactly. <laughs> and you kind all their faces, except for the one guy who I actually recognize from something else, um, they are their faces all kind of run together. So in nice. that last shot, unless you've really been paying attention, you might not realize that that's the woman from yeah. the team sitting oh, the, next to him. Insurance. Yeah. Yes, I'm an insurance. Yeah. And when we say when we say beat it, I just want to make sure we're all saying the same thing. It's not that they stop 
the virus. It's that they get the samples so they can make a vaccine in the future to reclaim yeah. the earth, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But they stop. They they stop the. They basically stop the apocalypse in in the future. You know, they were able to reclaim the surface theoretically. Well, as, yeah, I mean, pertaining were, to what yeah. the information that the movie gave us. Right. I mean, if these people are so incompetent, you know, it's very possible that they didn't. They weren't able to. No, I just know. I want to make because I've heard people say that that I've heard people say that the ending is mm. them stopping all it's, of the happening. But I I. I've never subscribed to that. I've always thought that it was. Yeah, but that is a possibility, even though, yeah, I, I agree with you that that's probably not what the film is implying. It's still a possibility that they just killed that guy, you know, sure. and they, and they, I and think they stopped the, it all. I think one of the tenets of the film, though, is the fact that the point is made that the past is the past and the past is done and you can't go back and change the past. The past happened so they can only work for a better future by going back to the past. It also, it also, I agree, Steve, but I, I'd also say that for a movie that so, so with a bow ties up a loop, you know what I mean? Like, cause, cause like to what Hassan said earlier, most movies, it feels cheap, you know what I mean? And there are still issues. It's not perfect, right? but, but this is one of the best loops I've ever seen in a time travel movie, um, or at least the way it's told. It seems really, really, really Sloppy is the wrong word, but to have that loop connect and then go and like change it. So like now you've got another paradox where, well, would she exist to go back in time if she stopped the apocalypse? Do you know what I mean? Like that theory just presents, it seems contrary to what we've, we've experienced thus far. True. But then it does contradict itself by telling him to kill her, you know, because she's outside of the, the, the equation. So it does sort of contradict itself that, that he's actually there not just to acquire uh, data for the future, but also to eliminate someone. It's a last minute knee jerk decision that they make at the end of the film, but it does kind of contradict the, the notion that we can't change the future. A little bit. I could see that. I could see that argument. And it's not an argument. I'm not. I'm not making an argument. I'm. Just, I'm just saying, pertaining to rules that you know the story rules that they've given you. Sometimes the rules that they kind of break their rules, or things things happen where you know the the equation has to be a little bit different. But they do. They they are willing to change some of the future. You know, it's not they're they're not totally unwilling or unable to change things. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's like the thing. It could be anything you want it to be. Yeah, you know, I mean, the ending can be anything you want it. I guess. I guess it just depends if they subscribe to its actual change, or like Steve said, if they think that they were always that the actions they take were always taken. Right. If they're if they're living a loop, just like Bruce Willis was, right. Like when he was a boy, he saw himself come back because he always came back. Like there is no version of time where he does not do that loop. Right. 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 Or the so Python if theory. Time, then they wouldn't see it as changing anything, because whatever they're going to do, they already did. It's very fatalistic, but that's that's true. But I mean, the the, the only problem with a you know like the Python theory is that it belies it 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 negates the necessity of telling the story in the first place. Because if nothing can sure. be changed and nothing can happen, then why the hell are we here? You know. So you're seeing different details. So the the way the the 
the way the details are shown to you is the story itself. Right. The, you're, the like narrative it, is from the point of view of the, the viewer, not the right. living yes. it. Right. But I mean, there's a, there's, there's, there, it, 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 the fact that the story is being told necessitates some kind of change. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a change in the narrative, but the fact that the story exists necessitates or negates the idea that nothing can, can be altered because by, you know, by sheer storytelling uh, necessity, something has to change in order for the story to conclude itself. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> uh, what about the music? I, Nobody's mentioned the music. I don't like the music. Oh, yeah. That was one of my, one? I don't know yeah. if I like it or I hate it, but I, oh, I like I, it. I dig it every time I hear it. Yeah. Like, the only way I can explain it is I hear it and I'm like, oh shit, yeah, here we go. I'm not sure if I like it or I hate it, but it's so distinct. I'm like, I get in the mood. The trigger. I get yeah, in For me, it automatically kind of, uh, you know, turns it into hodgepodge. Like it turns <laughs> it into like a quirky goof instead of, but that's, that's, a, that's an impression, you know? And I don't, I really wish I could get in touch with, my brain and what I thought about it when I saw it back in 1995, when I was, I think it was 22 years old, 22 or 23 years old. Um, Cause I don't remember really liking or disliking or even thinking anything about the music in this film until this time, until watching it this time. I'm like, right. I don't really, I don't really dig this music, you know, but, uh, <laughs> that's but that's accordion, right. Is it a, yeah. 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 So I had an <laughs> uncle Lou, I'm, I'm coming from a Sicilian family and I had an uncle Lou who, who is, a total stereotype big fat sicilian dude who always wore a suit that didn't fit and that motherfucker showed up at every family event with an accordion and he would play the shit and all the people like total so i might be a little biased when i hear 12 monkeys i'm like hey yeah like i got some heritage coming through a little bit it just puts you in a weird mood. I do agree that you get, but that it does something to you. But I don't know really if appropriate. The, yeah, um, I don't know if the mood that I got put in was. I don't know if it worked for the story that I was trying to digest. But that's you know. But that was this viewing. Next time I see it, I might feel completely different. It'd be interesting to hear it with not accordion. Like I would love to hear a cover with more traditional. Like Blade Runner without the narration. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Like. <laughs> And I just remember going, wait, what's with this? Music? And it never stood out as, as, as much as it did this time. Like, what the fuck is with this music? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, but I enjoyed watching it again. Um, I think it's a, it's a great movie. It's really well told. It's masterfully done. It, 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 um, it justifies itself. You know, is it, which is a really obnoxious way of describing a good movie, but it really, it really just holds on to you. It insists on being crazy, and it, and it, and then it makes the crazy payoff as it, you know, as it, it goes forward. Um, I also like that it's. I know that people do have a lot of speculation about like whether he's crazy or whether it's real or whatever. Pertaining to the movie, at a glance. The movie never bothers to try to trick you as to whether it's happening or not, pertaining right. you know, per Bruce Willis's perspective. Yeah, so it doesn't get that cheeky. It gets really cheeky with how the how the information is being given to you, but it never tries to to over trick you, to overstay its welcome in in trying to misinform you about whether Bruce Willis is imagining all of it 
whether he's genuinely a mental patient it's not nope. you know because by the time he starts buying into madeline stowe's you know uh analysis the audience is like no 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 you're, you're right. absolutely right. correct you're from and, the future and, and even it. she even she is turned yeah by yeah know. exactly by the time so, he's like no no it's good i'm gonna turn myself in it's all good i'm actually yeah. crazy it's and none of this is you know this is reality none of the other stuff and she's like no, 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 you're 100% correct. Yeah, no, I've, I've seen, I've, my eyes have been open. I've seen yeah. shit. You know, you're, you're absolutely correct. So, um, the bullet, the bullet really sealed to me, the bullet always seals the deal. Like, you see, I thought it was the bit on the, with him mentioning the thing about the kid in the well. Yeah, it's a kid in the barn. That's like, the she thing. She has a picture of him. Yeah. 19. Which is kind of, you know, that's ex machina territory a little bit. Sure. But, uh, but, but it, in terms of like, whenever people argue like, is he crazy or is it real? I'm like, there's a photo from a hundred years ago. Good point. But that's, that's, see, that's, I'm like, that's, that's in the weirdness of like, who cares whether he believes it? I mean, that's how you know. It's, 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 it's not a, it's not a discussion that's, that it, it bolsters or impairs my enjoyment of the film or my interpretation of it. But I've always found it fascinating. It, it almost feels like that argument is always brought up by people who need it to be ambiguous. Right. And right. I've never, I, I, I'm all down for ambiguity. I think ambiguity can be powerful. This never felt ambiguous to me. Like this, this yeah. it, like you said, the film never tries to like, which way is it? Like, yeah. I never get that vibe. It seems very clear. Like, here's a lot of evidence that this shit is really fucking happening. Like, you know, that time traveler you met, she's on a plane and Bruce Willis is nowhere around. So this isn't his perspective. Right. That seems pretty fucking legit to me. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're no longer with But him. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I I get what you're saying. I think I just think to engage in the in the in the weirdness in the discussion with other people is is ridiculous in and of itself, you know, because it's like, well, I've got proof that it's like uh, you know, like if you want to believe he was crazy and it, it was all in his head and none of it was real, you go right ahead. You know, like I just, just <laughs> keep do. it off my yeah, keep it off my cloud, you know? Like, it's true. Sure. I'm enjoying the movie for what it is. It's the McCready child's argument, you know? And it, it negates the one thing that that's like, everybody's like, oh, obviously child's is the thing, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And McCready's... If child's is a thing, why did he come back? If the goal was just to get cold and die in the, in the, and, and freeze in the, in the, in the Arctic until someone finds him again, why come back and find McCready? And if he is the thing, why not roast McCready right then and there? Like it's like, it's, it's trying to, to put context in some place where it, 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 it's not necessary. It's, you know, so everything can be argued away. So sure. just to get into, get into the, the, the weeds of whether someone believes this is real or not. It's like, yeah, go ahead. You know, do, however However, it turned out for you is how it turned out. I mean, I think a lot of the fun is arguing. Yeah, I don't, I don't find arguing with people any fucking fun. Fuck other people. Podcast where you argue about film. I don't argue with these idiots. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm right. These guys are wrong. That's all. And they, uh, you know, that's 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 as simple as it gets. (laughs) And they'll come around, you know. Okay. Oh, episode two hundred and thirty-seven. They're they're both going to be like, holy shit, Hassan's been right this entire time. time. This has never been about us talking about it. <laughs> yeah. It's been about learning what Hassan knows. And we'd like to thank everyone who's been listening to all 3,237 right. episodes yeah, of the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is the last one and there will be. That so will be the last one. Have a great one. day. And, uh, <laughs> and I'll be free. I'll be free. Have a better tomorrow. <laughs>
Lathan, what did you uh, feel about? Uh, yeah, you were real excited earlier about these two movies. Well, I was because you picked Children of Men. I'm like, well, I'm going to love talking about that. And then you picked 12 Monkeys. And I mean, I this is in my top 100 all time. This is a perfect movie. Like you said, it's it's a perfectly circular film. It's one of the only time travel movies where nothing changes. I mean, literally nothing changes at all. And it's really happening. But that's, you know, that's the perspective of this movie as opposed to Back to the Future where you change change things and you see the effects. I mean, it's literally the first time you watch it. I, see, I, I disagree with this a little bit with both of you guys. I don't, the first time you watch it, there's no way you know that it's not in Bruce Willis's mind until that last scene on the plane. That's the scene that shows it from a different perspective. And that's your, that's your tell that this is, this is actually happening. At least for me, it was. And I just think this, you know, similarly to Children of Men, this movie just, it, it, it's a very uh, tightly crafted world where, you know, again, the, the budget on this is so small. So what did Gilliam really have to work with here? And yet it's just this reality that you believe from the get-go and you you just follow it all the way till its conclusion. And I had seen La Jete before, you know, before this. So I don't, have you seen it, James, or no? A long time ago. I, I saw it when it was a special feature on the DVD for, for 12 Monkeys. Okay, but not before that, like as, like I did in film class. No, no, like no, no, no. I saw 12 Monkeys and then I bought the DVD and then I saw uh, Jete. When I saw it, I was like, wow, that, this was made when? This is amazing for the year it was made. I think it was 62 or something, you know, while ago yeah it's old and you know to you know to expand on that concept and to acknowledge it and not try and hide it with this you know movie Gilliam made and to say yeah that that's our inspiration for this I mean that's I think that's really cool that they took a really good idea that someone else had and just made it bigger and you know I was I showed this or I watched this with my daughter and she, you know, she was pretty transfixed by it and she was getting it. But like you guys said, like the first time you watch it, it's hard to get everything. I thought I got it the first time I watched it. But I think if you've seen La Jete, you know, and you know that connection, you know what's coming at the end and you're waiting for that moment where Willis witnesses his own death. And that just that concept itself is brilliant. And my daughter was watching and I'm like, do you know, you know, I'm like, do you know who that is? Do you know who the boy is? And she's looking at me and she wasn't fully getting it. And then I'm like, that's, that's Bruce Willis as a kid and her, you know, her mouth just opened. And that's, I love seeing that in film where you just, there's a concept that hasn't been fully shown yet or done yet. And it's, it's done really well. And this, this is one of my favorite science fiction films of all time, just like children of men. I just think it's, Perfectly circular, perfectly acted. This is one of Bruce Willis's best acting performances. For the, for everyone who just watches his action movies and thinks he plays the same character, he he's really he's he's like the Tom Cruise to Dustin Hoffman's Rain Man in this. I mean, everyone's watching Brad Pitt gets nominated for the Academy Award, but but I think Bruce Willis is brilliant in this. Uh, all involved are. Um, 
So, you know, we've talked about pretty much all the points about this. I, I Let me ask I, you a quick I, question, because I actually yeah. went after I finished when the film wrapped up. I actually had a question about and I had just watched it. So I wasn't like I was missing something, but I wanted to go back and verify for myself. I went back to the very first opening shot of the movie where they show the kids eyes and you hear the voiceover about the planes getting ready to take off. And then it twit, it turns into inmate or prisoner XX, you know, you know, Cole James, and it switches right. to, and it switches to Bruce Willis. And I was wondering if there were people who didn't make the connection, like you just said about your daughter, um, that, that I, I thought that that was fairly clear, but I think it may be because I'm used to that sort of a transition because I've seen it a few times done and before in film. So if I was coming into it cold, I may not have caught it that that kid that they're showing is supposed to is Bruce Willis. So you're saying the voiceover gives it away. No, no, I'm saying that the transition where they show from the kid's eyes and it jumps to Bruce Willis in the same immediate transition at the very, very beginning that's how you know that the kid is Bruce Willis. Mm, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone's would. catching that in 1995. That, well, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Now, my daughter said that she thought that Bruce Willis was dreaming about the boy because he was having a vision of the boy watching him die later. She didn't relate that that was him. Okay. She yeah. Thought he point. was having a vision of the boy seeing it because he saw the boy. Right. In her head. So she didn't make, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that that was a camera trick we used to use to, per, to to show you know this is this indiana jones did it there's been a, a few things that have done that where it's here's the sure. young version and here's the old version right but i actually First. think now in storytelling there's a lot of like anime my kids watch and shit where like visions are a part of it so i think it's just with this the content they're raised on doesn't that trick is not used in the same way or that transition is not used in the same way. I agree. So there may and be even if you even clear. if you miss that part, he does elaborate on the dream where yes. he, yes. he he puts himself in the boy's place mm -hmm. and explains that he just watched this. So when you know when he shows up at the end with the with the Hawaiian the weirdo Hawaiian shirt on, right. you know you're like oh you know this is you know there's this is I know where they're leading us now. There's always like the there's always a chance that they're going to be able to stop it from happening because another another red herring of film is that when they show you something, yes. you know, a lot of times they're showing it to you so that, that you know exactly what the what the the mission statement is. Like we're trying to avoid this from happening, and you know, of course, the movie kicks you right in the teeth by like, nah, it's it's happening. You yep. know, that's that's Nothing too changed. much. That's why this feels genuine. Is because they it doesn't change, and and the other thing is, I mean, he's. He's calling it these dreams he's having, and they're not dreams; they're his memories, and that's that's the rub at the end. I mean, they're not visions; they're he saw himself die. He just doesn't know it's him. So I'm and gonna throw, I'll throw a wrinkle out that my friend said when I was younger, and we watched this on DVD, and it bothered me then, and it bothers me now because maybe he was right. Although I <laughs> believe he was wrong. So you know how the people in his vision change? Like there's times when they're like, it's a different guy. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like when you yep. see his vision, the faces change. Like one time I think he sees the guy. Oh, like when he's leaving and he's, he's he looks over at the, at the guard at the hospital and it's the guard from the future. Correct. correct. But when he like, looks well, back at something else, yes. There's that there's also the, I think in the dream, like in the vision of the, the, uh, 
when you see him, the person running, is is it always the same people or is it different people? I I, I maybe I don't remember different. looking I, at the people around them. I know a lot. I, very often they don't they don't bother to show either okay. face. So my friend you know? said that he thought they cha- it's changed subtly, and he thought that that was the change they were making, that his memories were adapting to the changes he was making by going back in time. And it wasn't a circle. It was a spiral. And I always that bothered me because it didn't that's, align with what I wanted it to be. So <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's what's wrong with all the over-speculating <laughs> is it starts to fuck with you, you know? Right, he was like... It could be, it's, it's like room 237. It could, it could, you can over-analyze something until to, to the point where... You know, well, his whole argument was like, why would he suddenly be remembering this dream when he was a kid? That doesn't make sense unless it's changing the timeline and his brain is adjusting. And I was like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's that's true. But yeah, I mean, then again, then again, anything can trigger a memory. You know, yeah, it doesn't. I, I mean, that's not it's not just because he's having the memory now doesn't mean that's a clue to anything. You know, that's just information the movie's trying to give you so that you understand the context of what's going on. When the when it when it's time for the movie to resolve, if you want to if you want to just negate all speculation and just go to you know right. the the formation of the movie in and of itself, but I mean, it, that's, or is it? I, I agree with you. No, it is. It is. Stop. I mean, I'm right. You you understand the format of the show, right? Or did, did we not did we not have this conversation already? <laughs> just just cut it out. Dude. All right, da, 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 this is for you. Da, da, that's yours. Da, 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 da. <laughs> The last, the last two things I find interesting are uh, obviously this was made into a TV show uh, for sci-fi that ran for five seasons. Holy four. shit! Did it go that long? Or four? My bad, four. Um, Still, that's and, impressive. And uh, Madeline Stowe guested on the TV show as a different character. Yes. Wow. wow. Okay, that's pretty cool. Uh, and lastly, uh, if you want your mind blown, go to the website themovietimeline.com right now and we'll see all of you later because I just going. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't <laughs> I'm go. not going. I just tried to look up 12 monkeys visual timeline got sent there and I will never leave that page if I go there. So uh, <laughs> it is, if, Steve, if Steve finds it we might not have a podcast anymore I think. So um Wait, what is this? What did you bring me? There you go. See? Look at it. it's like a ear it's an earbug. No, resist. Literally, resist. it is literally movie timeline. It no. says oh, twelve months does not exist when it happened. So, oh, Hassan's out. Um, <laughs> I'm not coming with you guys. <laughs> so it, I mean, it starts off. Wait, wait, with what did you say the name of the thing is? The movie timeline. Oh, all right, because I went to movie timeline and it's trying to sell me that. dot com. The movie timeline. And you click on 65,000 BC and you start with... Oh, no, I can't do this. I'm close. I mean, this. you start with Jurassic Park. Then you go to... Uh, I mean, look at the second entry. It's Super Mario Brothers. Of all things, what are the chances of that after you bring it up on this show? And then it tells you any time in the history of the world when something in a movie happened or was referred to. That's what it's about. <laughs> I mean, it's nuts. Look at what this guy did. Look at what this guy did. This has did. to be Wikipedia style. This can't be one dude. I don't know, man. Well, probably, yeah, you're probably right. No one would There's no, no one would waste their time with something this big. <laughs> 16th November, 4000 BC, the devil begins working and be dazzled. I, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, they have... I mean, 
they have alien versus predator stuff. Predators arrive for their feasting ritual on xenomorphs and humans. I mean, it's just to to put this. I think James is right. You just you watch a movie, you see a time reference, and then you add it to this. But this is nuts. That's I mean, this a, that's is a, absolutely that's hysterical. Oh my God! They have all these ones in here. All the all the stuff in here from just the Bible. Yeah, the well, wasn't that a movie? I think it was. I'm sure it was, it was a movie. But that's yeah, that's why they're including it. Yeah, obviously, it's all movie stuff. So, um, oh look, year ten, Conan is enslaved, becomes a gladiator, thief, sword for hire, destroys the snake cult, avenges his parents' death by taking Thulsa Doom's head, and becomes king by his own hand. Conan the Barbarian. The thing crashed. <laughs> Did it all in one year. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's a busy year. This is crazy. And then you can find the 12 monkeys thing in here. And it's just, yeah, it's great. It's um, Dracula turns out to be Judas, who is condemned to walk the earth after being resurrected from his supposed suicide and betrayal of Christ. Dracula 2000. <laughs> there is a, Patrick, there are 159 what have, pages what have you of done? this. What have you done lately? Right. I, I'm sorry. Guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Uh, actually, uh, James, what have you done? Okay, Resist. because you picked twelve monkeys. Listen, resist. All you guys you need to know is it's that a perfect circle, just like the movie, James. Bruce Willis was not crazy, and Clive Owen had an arc. Oh wow, we're gonna end with that one. Wow. Good talk, guys. Oh That's it. wow. Good talk. However you see it is fine. <laughs> I love it. Did you go to the farthest point in the future on this? No. See, he's it? not even here anymore. Yeah, he's got eight hundred eight hundred and sixty-five thousand four four is uh Alexander Hardigan briefly arrives from the year eight hundred and two thousand seven hundred and one, the time machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all time machine stuff. Oh, it's up for Barbarella. Barbarella takes yeah. on the evil. Duran Duran yep. in 4080. Oh, oh, but right before that is something from is Dune. Oh yeah. The Sardaukar wow. attack Ericus and kill Duke Leto. Okay, well, we'll be talking about this on the next show, everybody. When uh, Steve goes through this entire thing uh before the next show. Yeah, who the next show when he starts going about all the media he consumed and he just reads you guys page after page of this. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna be fun. Have fun. Of course, you won't be the guest. Nope. <laughs> it's like yeah, a timeline is- but of movies wow that's uh, that's fun Nathan, you yeah. did this it's really fun and there's uh, i can't like it- thanks to, uh- <laughs> that's crazy town boy holy mackerel yeah, yeah i gotta star that one yeah all right movie time all right there <laughs> we go you, you yeah but anyway bastards. <laughs> love 12 monkeys love it love it uh, so, but so the one that. the one thing that nobody brought up uh and the one thing that jumped out at me and i had to i had to stop and um i had to throw on the uh subtitle so i could get the line right but there is a line in this movie that jumped out at me and i had to go back and listen to it a couple of times to make sure i got it right but when they're sitting in the theater and bruce willis is watching vertigo and he and he talks and he talks about about watching movies and he says like the past the movie never changes it can't change but every time you see it it seems different 
because you're different. You see different things. Uh, it's great, great, great. Line. That is a fucking just an amazing line. Yep. And and it's honestly, really it's line. not even done. It's not even done in a manner of of like it's this big cathartic moment or anything. It's like he's sitting in this theater and they're like getting ready to like start getting you know to she's going to start putting the fake mustache on him, you know. And it's just, oh, I mean, it's it's. Well, the- the, the Hitchcock and Vertigo stuff, too, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean you know, she, Madeline Stowe puts on a blonde wig. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if you're not, if you haven't seen Vertigo, you're not going to get the reference. But if you have, it's as soon as you see that, you're yeah. like, oh, wow. That's really cool. Yeah. Just some, just some, just a really, really, and uh, just, a, just a couple of great movies. But uh, yeah, just 12 Monkeys is, is just Guys, awesome. All four of us liked both movies. It, yeah. What a 100th show miracle. This is great. Well, after the Tango and Cash debacle, it's about time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, Latham, no one can help you if you don't have taste. We don't know what to do with it. James, did I ever send you my Tango I, I, and Cash sequel notes? Oh, no, but I would oh. love to see them. <laughs> okay. Did you I guess see I so, just didn't Sylvester understand. Sylvester Stallone was like, I'm down to do a sequel. I can't get Kurt to say yes. <laughs> yeah, I bet he can't. <laughs> Maybe if someone would explain Tango and Cash me and I'd understand it, then I'd like it better. I'm pretty sure oh, every I'm, time I've come oh. on, someone has hated one or both of my picks. Uh, I'm I don't very happy. That. This will never happen again. That all, Give me the other six them. movies besides or five movies besides Tango and Cash. Oh, Lord. We did It Follows, Tango and Cash. What did we pair with? They were all like themed together. Yeah. Hang on a second. What was the first show? That was It Follows and... No, no, the what first was sunshine show. was it? No, no, no. Wasn't he on the first show? No, no, that no, was no, Dean. Not that Don't you have the first Dean? Show. All right, so Jim's first show was uh, Annihilation and Crawl. That's right. All right, that, I mean, you know, yeah, I didn't like Annihilation. That's I know right. That. That's right. Yeah, neither did Latham. I no, I liked it better upon uh, thinking about it later. Now I think it's Latham was convinced. Remember, Latham did oh, like right, it, and then at the end, yeah, like, no, I was convinced I by I the like guest. It. The, br- the guest brainwashed me into liking. That's the- right. So then, yeah. then for the Halloween show, you did It Follows and Pandorum. That's right. oh, those are two good ones. That's right. I like both of those. Yeah, I think I, I think I enjoyed. Both and of then those. you did The Departed and Tango and Cash. I mean, he picks really interesting films. I try to keep them together, guys. Obviously, The Departed and Tango and Cash linked uh, <laughs> by very obvious threads of corruption and... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Or someone he's, digested a really great idea and then prisoner. shit out his ass. That's the way I would look at it. Yeah, yeah. there's always that. Are they police or criminals, guys? We don't know. Are they police? Are they good? 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 Are they the bad guy? Um... <laughs> So story. yeah, so that's uh, that's that's where that's Twelve Monkeys. Have you guys done superhero movies on this yet? Have has anybody picked those? Nope. Interesting. Well, no one's picked a Marvel movie. That seems like totally. kind of weird. I mean, though. we did a fill-in episode. Latham didn't appear on one episode last minute, and so Hassan and I did a fill-in episode where we talked about two recent releases that we had both seen, along with uh, our buddy Dennis Calero. But I mean, we talked about Justice League because uh, because it had just recently come out. But that was about the closest we've come. No one's no one's no one's picked a Marvel movie as their as a favorite or as uh, to tie in with something else. Interesting. I'm not going to do it, but right. 
I mean, you know, they're pretty much all the same anyway, right? Nope. Anybody who says they're all the same is a loser. (laughs) Listen here, motherfucker. (laughs) I'm trying to... What? She told you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) On that that note, uh, James. We all know what the worst Marvel movie is, though, right? We all agree. Justice League? No, that's not a Marvel movie. Is it? Don't take the bait, James. <laughs> that's when you're all. That's when you're supposed to just go silent. We don't ride it out. <laughs> Thor: The Dark World is the worst Marvel movie. I, I, you know what? I, I'd have a hard time fighting that one, though. I, uh, and actually, the night I watched that movie was one of the worst nights of my life. So that that it that's tied got, into it. Got a nice trigger there too. Then yeah, yeah, uh, that's not good. But, I yeah. wanted to get hurt. I don't know. I mean, overall, for I mean, for me personally, I I would I would argue that Age of Ultron is the worst Marvel film for me. Well, that's wrong, but that's interesting to hear you say. <laughs> that, that. that also is kind of hard. I like that we we've, we've evolved into just complete and total dismissal when we disagree. Now, it's, oh no, oh, we haven't yeah. devolved into it. That's Latham. Latham just dismisses anything that's, that's not just, that's not in his dome. So that's just incorrect. That's right. Yeah, tunnel, tunnel vision. Everyone else, everyone else is a a wrong loser. So yep, there you that's go. That's right. You saw gravity at home. <laughs> Don't even bother leaving the house. Your life is over. <laughs> All right, uh, James. <laughs> you know, it's an epic podcast. It's it's got to be divided into five different fucking shows, and one show is just that discussion between James and Hassan for ten minutes, then cut it off. People, it's gonna it. have to be three parts: the opening and then the two movies. Yeah, it will. No, no, it won't. Oh no, no. You got no. an editor? <laughs> I'm sorry. My bad. My bad. We're, we're, I mean, first of all, the podcasts that run from, uh, I'm not going to fucking just want to say, it's just like, take a day off, dude. I, I you know, like, just take it, take a day off, man. You can't. That's, uh, <laughs> that's good. Well done. Uh, all right, buddy. Listen, thanks a lot, pal. Thank you, guys. You're Appreciate you. You guys are awesome. Thanks, James. Uh, yes. Thanks to we will, we're going to get you our eight by ten glossies uh, very soon, so Hell you can yeah. throw darts at them. You know, you guys, should, you, you guys should put out a calendar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you later. Bye. Right, bye, bye. Peace out. Oh, thanks to Fesley and Music. Please check out our website at cinementalpod.com for all of our past episodes. And don't forget to download and subscribe to Cinemental wherever you enjoy your podcast. You can always listen to new episodes at cinementalpod.com. Also, you can listen to us on all major social media accounts. You can listen to us or you can follow us on all social media. Also, you can follow us on all major social media accounts at Cinemental Pod. For Asan Godwin, Lathan Conger III, and James Innes, and myself, we say thank you so much for listening. And as always, in the words of our friend and world-saving time traveler, Truman Burbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Out. This dope baby saver. <laughs>